All right, hi everybody. Um, I, there are some of you that I haven't met, so my name's Erin. Uh, I am a fifth grade teacher uh, in SLO, so coming to church every Sunday at an elementary school is right up my alley. Um, I have actually taught some of the kids that go to this church at some point in my life, so that's pretty fun. Um, and my husband, Adam, who's not here um, today, and I have been going to Coastlands probably, uh, I don't know, how long have we been a church? Like two and a half years, probably just six months less than we've actually been a church. So um, we started coming here right the Sunday after we got engaged. Uh, it was our first Sunday here. And of course, like the second message when we were here was like, how to have a healthy marriage. And we were like, this, we have come to the right place. Um, so this is my second time speaking at Coastlands, my first time doing it outside. Uh, the first time I did it was almost exactly a year ago because Chris seems to, sorry, there's a bug in my face. Chris seems to ask me right when it's summertime because it's when I have more free time in my life because um, the school year hasn't started. So when he called me and asked me to speak um, in August, he said, there's this verse and it's about a teacher, it's the Holy Spirit being a teacher, and you're a teacher. So I thought this would be good. And I was like, okay, well, that's great. So um, if you were here last week, Chris talked about um, what the Holy Spirit seeks to teach us, the content of what the Holy Spirit teaches us. Um, so if you weren't here, I would encourage you to listen to that message. It's posted online because I think what you'll see today is um, my message and the one from last week really have been woven together uh, because I'm going to talk about really how the Holy Spirit teaches us. Um, and I used actually a lot of the verse references from last week too. So um, hopefully you'll see kind of how close-knit um, this idea of the Holy Spirit as a teacher is. So um, next slide, Bree. So I want you to think about a teacher who in your lifetime had a positive impact on you. Also, I made this really cute slideshow thinking we were going to be inside. So if you can't read it, I'm sorry. It was really cute when I made it. Um, so think about a teacher that positively impacted you in your life, whether it was your K through 12 education or higher education. Um, and I want you to spend a second thinking about some words that you would use to describe that person. So some words that would describe a teacher who had a positive impact on you. My guess is that some of the words you would have used um, was helpful, maybe inspiring, um, influential, maybe someone safe, um, someone who provided you guidance, someone positive. Um, I see some of you nodding, so that's a good sign. Um, if you were here at the beginning of this series on the secret life of the Holy Spirit, Chris gave us a bunch of colored sticky notes, and he asked us to write down just off the top of our head a word that resonated with us when we thought of the Holy Spirit. Next slide, Bree. Um, so I snapped some pictures of those that you can't see, but if you could see them, you would see. You can go inside and look at them. I don't know if they're still there, but they were on the wall. Um, and I, last week or two weeks ago, snapped some pictures, and the ones that I snapped were all of those words. So our church body wrote, at first thought of the Holy Spirit, guidance, advocate, helper, inspiring, love, safety. Um, and I don't think it's a mistake that those words that we wrote down also are words that we would use to describe someone that we would consider a good teacher. Um, I, 
I think there's a pretty distinct parallel there. Because the Bible calls the Holy Spirit uh, a teacher. And we heard about this a little bit over the last couple weeks. We get this idea from um, John. Bree, could you switch it for me? Um, 14.26, and the verse says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So uh, that word teach is in red, but it's there. And that's really um, where we pulled that from. Thank you, Brian, I swear it's there. Um, And so with that verse in mind, we're going to look at two main ideas today. And the first one is what makes a good teacher, and the second one is what makes a good student. Um, We're going to talk about that from my experience as a teacher and what I'm looking for in my students, Um, but then really aligning that to the idea that clearly the Holy Spirit is the best teacher. Um, I'm not going to prove to you that the Holy Spirit is a good teacher today. We're just going to know that because the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity and is God. And so um, in an effort to be a good teacher, I'm trying to incorporate these things into my daily life and I want to remind you of what the Holy Spirit's doing for you. Um, And then we're going to look at how we respond as the students of the Holy Spirit. So next slide. So that's me on the first day of school. And I didn't intentionally put it under what makes a good teacher because I'm not always a good teacher. I try really hard. Um, But that kind of fresh-faced first day of school look is I think what embodies a good teacher, that, oh, I'm excited, I'm ready for this. Um, I want you to think about maybe that good teacher that you thought of in your head and maybe something that stuck with you, that they taught you. It might not have been academic. It might have been personal or values um, or how to be confident um, or a good person. That idea in John 14, 26 said, that the Holy Spirit's going to bring things to our remembrance. A good teacher is going to give you that stuff that sticks with you that you can remember. So teaching gets a bad rap sometimes because we get summers off. But I will tell you (laughs) that I really work hard for those summers off. And I usually don't take much of a summer off because teaching is about the content and the knowledge and the information that I'm trying to impart to my students. But it's also about cultivating good human beings. And that part is really hard. Um, I could prep lessons all day, but knowing and loving and cultivating good human beings, that's really the core of what my job is about. So parents, I ask you to have some grace for your teachers (laughs) uh, because it's hard. Um, I wrote up there, being a teacher is fully exhausting, yet life-giving work. Um, When Chris called me and said, hey, I want you to teach on being a teacher, I was like, well, that could be really good timing because I'm not really that excited about it right now. (laughs) Uh, I go back to work tomorrow, and this summer went really fast. I taught summer school. I did a presentation. I did all these supplemental jobs, so it didn't really feel like summer, and I was like, I do not want to go back to work. Um, And so I thought, maybe this would be really good for me to focus on the things of why I do what I do. Since Chris called, I got my class list. And when I get my class list, everything changes. Because then, it's not just, oh my gosh, I have so much work to do. It's, oh my goodness, look at these 30 names and these 30 faces that will be mine to love and care for for the months after and every time I run into them at the grocery store after that, (laughs) which still happens. Um, It's the names and the faces and the personalities of the kids that make me motivated as a teacher. 
Think about how the Holy Spirit then views you, if that's the case. You, we, the body, are the names on the Holy Spirit's class list. We're the ones that motivate the Holy Spirit to spend the extra hours pouring into us. Um, for a teacher with the, my students, it's personal, it's exhausting, but it's life-giving. I'm pretty sure that's how the Holy Spirit feels, but maybe not exhausted. I think the Holy Spirit makes it personal, makes it unique. Um, I think the understanding of the personal relationship that the Holy Spirit has with you is motivating. Our names are those little pennants on the door that the teacher puts up on the first day so that you know it's your classroom. Okay, that's us to the Holy Spirit. So by further examining what a good teacher is, it's going to allow us to see what the Holy Spirit's doing in an effort to build that personal relationship with us. So Brie, could you go to the next one for me? So what makes a good teacher? I have a couple things up here, and I kind of hit on this first one already. The first one's cultivating a personal relationship. When my students walk in on the first day, they're scared of me. And I'm not really a scary person, but they don't know me. They're not so sure yet. They don't trust me. Um, so the most important thing I do for them is to develop a personal relationship. I went to one of my students' baseball games last year. You would have thought he had won the lottery. Um, and then I saw his mom about a week later at this end of the year celebration and she said to other parents, man, Mrs. Serafin, she's not just really our teacher, she feels like a part of our family. Okay? Um, and I don't do that all the time, you know, I don't go to every single baseball game, but that uh, pointed effort I think makes all the difference. By having that relationship with me, that personal relationship, it allows my students uh, to freely engage in learning because they can trust me. I think the same is true for the Holy Spirit. One of the verses that Chris shared last week uh, was 2 Corinthians 3.17. And it says, where the Spirit is, there's freedom. I think there's freedom in being known. If you were here a year ago when I taught, that's what I taught on then. And I taught about how important it is for us to remember that we're individually uniquely known. Um, I think it was Psalm 139, if you want to look at that. Um, so that personal relationship, I think we have to own that. I think it's really easy for us to think about the Holy Spirit as big and broad and all-encompassing, um, which they are, but it's also super personal, and that's where the trust can be developed. Another area I think that makes a good teacher is passion for their subject matter. So I teach elementary school, I teach all the subjects, um, but I love teaching social studies. And every year my, uh, my students say, what's your favorite thing to teach? And I say, social studies, I love social studies. And I would guarantee you 80% of them are like, I don't really like social studies. And I'm like, well, you're going to like it by the end of this year. And they're like, yeah, okay, sure I will, Mrs. Serafin. Uh, and then by the end of the year, at least one of them, which is a victory I will take, says, Man, I didn't even like social studies, and you really made me like it. Then um, that's because I'm passionate about it. For me, it's storytelling. Um, it's history. It's being ingrained in why, how we got where we are. And so how much I care about it is proportional to how much they're going to care about it. So last week, Chris talked about, well, what is it that the Holy Spirit wants to teach us? 
and he said that the Holy Spirit seeks to share with us the relationship that God and Jesus share. So again, as passionate as I am about social studies, let's think about how passionate the Holy Spirit is about teaching you about the relationship between God and Jesus. I have to imagine that we can't even imagine how big that is, how passionate the Holy Spirit is about that idea. And when we fully engage in appreciating how passionate our teacher, the Holy Spirit, is about that, it gets us more excited about that relationship. Um, by allowing the Holy Spirit's passion for the relationship of God and Jesus to really seep into us, we're more able to be passionate about it, um, to be excited. So another thing that makes a good teacher is being available. Um, it's not just an 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. job. I never have ever in like the history have ever gone home when the students go home. And like I said, summer's off is kind of a joke sometimes. So I have to be available. Um, it's not just the time that they're in the room with me. It's about figuring out what they're talking about on the playground and getting out there and playing soccer with them sometimes and helping them work through their friendship drama. Fifth grade, lots of friendship drama. Um, Oh, I'm really excited to go back to work. If my, students, uh, if my students don't see me as available, and sometimes I don't want to be, but if I, if I don't become approachable to them, if I'm not available, then they don't come to me. Um, it limits my ability to connect with them when I'm not available. Fortunately for us, we don't have to worry about that. Um, Matthew 28:18 says, I am with you always. The Holy Spirit is always available to us as a teacher. Um, and that means we always get to come to them and ask for love and support and guidance and safety and all of those words that we brainstormed at the beginning. This one uh, is tough for me, and I would imagine tough for some of you. A good teacher allows their students to wrestle with concepts. I wouldn't be a good teacher if I just spat out some information to my class and said, there you go. Hope you learned it. Um, the learning for them is better internalized when they have to own it, when they have to wrestle with it. This isn't so easy for us, because we want the answers, and then the Holy Spirit doesn't always give them because the Holy Spirit is the best teacher, and the best teacher wouldn't just give the answers. So um, John 16, 12 through 15, essentially says, he will take truths and declare them to you. Chris touched on this last week. The Holy Spirit's going to take it and impart it to you when the Holy Spirit is ready, when we've wrestled with it, when we have prepared to internalize the learning. That's when the Holy Spirit's going to give it to us. I think we sometimes think that idea of being available, the Holy Spirit's always available, means that the Holy Spirit's always going to give us the answer. And I don't think that's always true when we want it. Because a good teacher would let it fester and develop. Um, and I think the Holy Spirit does that for us. And the last one I um, put up there for being a good teacher is meeting students where they are. 
But one of the hard, hardest things about being a teacher is that I have 30 students and they all learn differently. And they all come in with their own stuff. Um, for my teaching to be effective, I have to meet my students where they're at. So that might mean safety for a kid who doesn't have a safe home environment. Uh, that might mean going out at recess and helping them work through the friend drama. That might mean giving them a challenge when they want a challenge. Um, but it's my job as the teacher to figure out every student's need and meet it. I want to assure you that you can trust the Holy Spirit to do that for you. We're not all going to encounter the Spirit in the same way, but the Holy Spirit's okay with that. Um, at our church, if you haven't been here before, we often have time for response, and some people will say, oh, I got this word from the Holy Spirit. That doesn't happen to me too often. And sometimes it's a little bit intimidating. I'm like, am I not hearing the Spirit in the right way? Am I not like, tuned in if I didn't get a picture? And I have to allow myself to know that that's maybe not how I learn through the Holy Spirit. I'm much more of a reader and a writer. Pouring over the verses is really effective for me. doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not going to communicate with me in a picture, but I can trust the Holy Spirit to be my best teacher and meet me where I'm at. And that may be in the way someone else encounters it, and it may not. The Holy Spirit's what I would call the master of individualized learning. I wish that I could be as good at it as the Holy Spirit. So we can trust the Holy Spirit for all of those things, but then it's about, well, then what do we do? Because we are the students of the Holy Spirit. So what makes a good student? I'm really clear with my students that I'm not doing all the work. I kind of like that about teaching upper grade, fifth grade. They're old enough. I'm like, look, I can only do so much. You've got to step up your game and give it back to me. So learning is a partnership between the teacher and the student. If I'm going to pour myself into it, I expect my students to give that back to me. I think the Holy Spirit has that expectation of us um, within the balance of meeting us where we're at. So uh, I had this student last year who he just didn't try very hard, and that was really frustrating for me. So I was in this conference, and his dad actually put it in the perfect way. And He said, the dad was also a teacher at Cal Poly, and he said, look, we're a coach in the weight room. I'm going to lay out all these weights, right? And I can tell you, you know what? You need to work on lifting this much today. But as your coach, as your teacher, I can't lift it for you. You're not going to get any stronger. You have to go out and pick up the weights. Right? So we can read, 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 and like hear all these truths about the Holy Spirit, but if we don't engage back with those, if we don't pick up the weights and become stronger, then our relationship with the Holy Spirit I don't think is going to get as deep as it could go. Because it's a little bit on us, too to engage and to learn. Um, we have to participate. That was a big part of last week. We have to participate in what the Holy Spirit's offering to us. So I have some tips for you that I found in the Bible because I'm not always good at this either. So next slide. Oh, there you go. So what makes a good student? I just said active participation. We have to engage to learn fully. Um, when I was listening to last week's message, the phrase that came to mind was having this posture of reciprocity. Where it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, I believe these things to be true. I'm open to hearing from you. But I also need to reciprocate and be in it with you. There needs to be this reciprocal relationship. 
Um, with that comes honesty and openness. So I tell my students to advocate for themselves. I always tell them, there are 30 of you and one of me. So you have to put yourself out there. If you don't understand what I just said, you have to tell me. can't read your mind all the time. Okay, you have to say, hey, Mrs. Seraphin, I need you. Hey, I didn't understand that. Um, and sometimes we don't understand or we can't see the truth that Jesus gives to us because of lies from the enemy. I know I have encountered that where it's foggy or I'm blinded by lies that are all too easy to believe. And I think by being honest with the Holy Spirit, that's when I've gotten the most from that teacher-student relationship. When I've come to the Holy Spirit crying, sad, joyful, all of those things, when I've come before the Holy Spirit and honestly appealed to the Spirit as my teacher and asked for the truth to be taught, I have received. Um, Romans 8, 26 and 27 say that we can allow the Spirit to help us in our weakness. We can be open to allowing the Spirit to intercede on our behalf. Um, and I think sometimes it's tricky in the Christian culture. We want to have a good Christian relationship. We want to be good Christians. I've definitely been guilty of this where whew, I want to have a quiet time because I'm supposed to have a quiet time. Or I want to read the verse ahead of time for church because I should probably have done that. Um, but that sort of relationship doesn't bear the same fruit in my life as when I honestly and openly come to the Spirit just where I'm at. And I think that that's true of my students. If they do their homework because I told them to do their homework, great, super, that's fine. But if they do their homework because they know that division is hard for them and they should be practicing that skill, then they are bound to make more progress because they're coming at it honestly. Um, it's much easier for me to help a student when they say, ah, I didn't understand that. Can you help me? As opposed to me being like, I can see over your shoulder and I know you don't understand that. Look out. Let me get in there. When that honesty is there, I think it creates a more fruitful teacher-student relationship. Um, perseverance is a word I use all the time in my classroom. Uh, if my students give up, there's little I can do for them because it takes both of us. So, like I said, a good teacher is going to prompt students to wrestle with concepts. Well, a good student's going to persevere during that wrestling, which is hard because uh, we can become easily frustrated when we don't get the answers right away or we can want to take the easier path. I can't tell you how many times in my life my students have asked me, what's next? Ms. Serpent, what are we doing at 10 o'clock? What are we doing at 11 o'clock? I post a schedule on the board for a reason. Sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't post a schedule. Um, we do that to the Holy Spirit. If you are a parent or have been a parent, I would venture, I'm not a parent yet, uh, but I feel like I parent 30 kids every day of my life. I could venture that they have asked you, why? Why, 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 why? Or when are we going to get there? Or what's next? We do that to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we say, what's next? What's next? What are you going to give me? Why did you give me that? Well, we don't always get that answer right away. 
I'm sure we drive the Holy Spirit a little crazy. Good thing the Spirit's so gracious. Um, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says that even within that, we can take comfort in the fact that we don't lose heart because our inner self is being renewed day by day. It says that the Spirit takes part in that process to renew us and to um, bring about that growth day by day, even when we maybe don't have the what's next yet. But just like a student, I think the Holy Spirit asks us to persevere, to keep seeking the concept, um, to stick with it, even when it's tough. And the last one is probably my most important thing for a student. Uh, It's enjoying the experience. Like I said, fifth grade, friend drama, eye rolling. They're really sweet until about May. And then like hormones get going. And there's like sighing and all that goes on. Um, So at the beginning of the year, I make a pact with them because I'm getting good. This is going to be my fourth year of teaching uh, elementary school. So I'm getting good at figuring out that this happens every year. So at the beginning of the year, I have them make a pact with me. And uh, we call it our mission statement. And our mission statement typically ends with, we're going to enjoy the fifth grade experience. Um, Or we're going to at least try. And it can get hard because we get tired and they get tired and um, things don't go our way or we have a hard time with things. I think that the journey is so much more fun if we can agree to enjoy where we're at. And I think the Holy Spirit believes that too, that our journey would be so much more enjoyable if we could agree to that pact to enjoy the experience. The Spirit's given to us says in John 15, 11, so that our joy may be made full. Joy is my favorite word. My students know this too. And uh, man, it just is so much more fun for the teacher when the students are joyful, when the students are enjoying the experience. It's so much more fun for me to be teaching students that are these things, that are participating, that are open, that are persevering when it's tough, that are enjoying the experience. There's so much more fruit born from that relationship with a teacher than anything different. So, next slide, Bree. Um, so with that in mind, I want to encourage you today to be a student of the Holy Spirit, um, the lifelong teacher that Jesus gave us when he left to be with the Father. I chose this picture that you can barely see on purpose. Uh, Every year I take my students, some of you know this, to Yosemite for a study trip for a week. Yeah, I know. Um, And it's really amazing. It's a ton of work. But this was last year, and there's, you can see this little group of students at the base of El Cap. And I chose this picture on purpose because this is kind of what I like pictured when I was planning for this message. It's like, we're these students in awe of the most beautiful things, and that, in part, is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is kind of like me in Yosemite, where I'm a guide and exploring alongside my students. I get to point my students in Yosemite to El Cap, to Half Dome, to these beautiful, amazing things as their teacher. The Holy Spirit gets to do that for us. And it's really fun for me 
to do that for my students. I believe it's really fun for the Holy Spirit to do that for us, to point at Jesus and God instead of El Cap and Half Dome um, and say, look, isn't this amazing? I had a student two years ago who is a total Moro Bay surfer kid, and we take our sixth graders to Catalina, take fifth grade to Yosemite, and uh, this fifth grader came to me, surfer boy, and his parents were like, have fun, he's waiting for Catalina next year. Like, this is nothing. He's not that excited about it. He's waiting to go on the surf trip. And we do this um, walk sometimes in Yosemite where we take him through this field and the um, nature guides we have lay these cards out for reflection. And the student was in front of me. And you, like, leave a gap. But I watched him the whole way. And he was in awe of every single part of it. He came back and he told his parents, it was the most magical place I'd ever been. And they're like, are you sure you're going to Catalina next year? And he's like, no, I think I'm going to like this better than Catalina. Um, and I think like, that was such a victory for me. Because I was like, yes, my trip won. And, <laughs> and this um, student got to experience the glory of this place. And I think that the Holy Spirit does a little like fist pump score when we have those revelations, when we have those light bulbs. Um, so I asked Bree to sing Oceans this morning, and I'll have you go to the last side, Bree, because I think that this, the, the bridge in that song um, can be kind of our prayer as students. Um, and I know that I pray this to the Spirit, and I think I also try to exemplify some of these traits when I enter a new school year. Um, the bridge says, Spirit, which I think for this we can replace with teacher, Lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, that my, that my faith would be made stronger, essentially, in your presence. I think this can be our prayer to the Spirit as our teacher, that we would allow ourselves to be led with trust. My students look at me and just figure I know what I'm doing. Right? They trust me. I think we can do that to the Spirit. Um, let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Let it be wherever the Spirit takes us. Let our learning be where we're at. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. Let me wrestle with those concepts and persevere so that I can go deeper. That my faith, or maybe my learning, would be stronger in your presence. So that's my prayer for us as a church body. Um, that's my prayer for us as students, um, that we would look at ourselves as the Holy Spirit's class, diverse, um, beloved, important, not all learning in the same way. Um, and I think that will allow us to experience that relationship of God and Jesus much deeper. Um, so with that, just take a second and think about how that applies to you now where you're at. Where is the spirit meeting you? Um, maybe what characteristic of the student do you want to personify more deeply? And then we have a few minutes um, to share out if there's something that you think maybe um, you, had a, you had a word or a picture or something resonated with you that you think would benefit um, the whole group to hear. I think that um, 
like I said, when Chris first asked me to do this message, I was not super excited about going back to work. Um, and I think it really, because my students are tangible to me, um, I can think, man, I really love them. Like, I go home and I think about them. I tell parents about it back to school night. Like, cut me a break sometimes, because I really do go home and think about your kids and worry about your kids. And then I think, as I was preparing this, I was like, oh, that's what you wanted me to see, Holy Spirit, that you do that for us, that you worry about us and think about us and fall asleep being like, oh, man, I hope they do that. I hope they remember that, or I hope they know that. And the Holy Spirit does that for us. And I think what Larry said, the desire of um, being the desire of our heart, I think is really woven with that. We have time for a few more. Yeah. I think that ripple effect idea, that epicenter, kind of like an earthquake, like uh, aftershocks, I think that can be true for us too. Or like, I know that when Betty or Mike has had a word or a vision from the Spirit and they give it to me, that like, it shakes me up. And so the way that others, someone else, I think, experiences the Spirit can ripple effect into affecting us deeply. That's cool. Thank you. Maybe we have time for one more. People are feeling. And let me be clear, sometimes my daily encounter with God is like, I pray while I'm taking a shower in the morning. <laughs> it's, a, you know, it looks different and I think a lot of us need the reminders. Clearly I did in even preparing the message. Um, so, as we wrap up, I think if, if you are wrestling with something and need the reminders or perseverance, um, then please let us pray with you. I'd be happy to pray with you. I know um, that there's, if you'd be willing to pray with somebody, could you maybe throw your hand up so we know who we're looking for if you're willing to pray with people this morning? Brenda, thank you. Raise them. Larry's willing to breathe. Chris. So um, please get some prayer if there is something that you're wrestling with or something that, um, yeah, just in general that you need prayer for. Um, and connect in this beautiful outdoor church environment camp that we have. And I'm just going to pray for us, and then we'll get going. So, um, Lord, thank you for just your goodness um, in allowing us to encounter you in beautiful Morro Bay this morning, um, in the sunshine, in maybe not 95 degrees. We just um, are thankful for your goodness in that. Um, and we just ask that you would open us up to really be students of, of your spirit. Um, you left the spirit with us so that we could have a teacher and guidance and influence and inspiration and an advocate. Um, and I pray that you would make that so apparent to us um, as we leave here, that wherever we are at, that we know that um, the spirit as our teacher will meet us there. Um, that these maybe aren't new concepts, but they're things that we could be reminded of daily um, as we encounter the Spirit, God. And um, just remind us, as Larry said, that we are the desire of your heart and that you uh, love us so well when, when you are the desire of our hearts. Um, this is a body of people, God, that loves you and needs you and wants to know you better. And uh, I pray that we would just feel um, woven 
together with you today. Um, so we love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So pray and go and have a great week. And don't applaud because I'm just doing my job.